0: want to go back to Miss Whitney and stuff, they have a children's experience totally designed for them, and uh, they'll join us later when we start our music at the end of the service. So, kids, have a great time. Can I come with? No. No, no. Sure, anyone can go. My name is Jeff Brace, and I'm uh, on staff here at New Life uh, United Methodist Church, and uh, Mark is away. Mark and Jennifer have been on vacation. They've been down in Atlanta for a graduation and they get back tomorrow, I believe. So um, they'll be back next week. So I'm glad everybody came this week after last week that, you know, to hear me stumble over, uh, stumble over my words. But what we've been talking about is this series called Go Fish. And it's about, uh, it comes from a story in the Bible when Jesus met the first four guys that, uh, Eventually became his disciples And he, he told him something you know, He didn't tell them he was going to make them better fisher, Fishermen of fish But he was going to make them something that they weren't Something better fishers of men And what that all means you know, And Jesus said if you follow me I'm going to make you something I'm going to make you something that you're not um, And I'm going to help you Be that person To be a better fisherman of men stuff. I'm not going to make you more holy. I'm not going to make you a better prayer. I'm not going to make you a better person, you know, a, um, more disciplined and everything, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Now, you might be sitting there thinking that, you know, wait, you know, it, it's fine if we just all gather here and come in here and hear an inspiring message and hear music and then go home and then all Come back next week to be here again, you might think, well, that's all right, you know because if I had to tell somebody else, I mean that 's like meddling in their own business because you know they might be a good person, they might be a person that you know is doing all right, and you know God honors that, and this whole you know you know I believe in God, and you know I know they believe in God, but this whole Jesus thing you know Jesus asked us to do some pretty hard things. Um, and you know, after all, it might be meddling, in you know, something that they, they do. And why can't we just you know leave well enough alone? Why should we fish? Um, and we all might you know think you know why why invite more people here? We're all comfortable here. We all have you know a, you know plenty of space around us. You know, the people might have to set up more chairs. You know, we might have to make more coffee. We might have to, you know, get more teachers for the, the children's area, and things like that. You know, why, why get more people here? You know, we might have to park further away from the front door. But Jesus wants us to be fishers of men. He wants us to tell that story. Um, when we think about this, actually, we're talking to two different groups. We're talking to Christians, who generally keep their thoughts to themselves. Um, and they especially need to hear this. I want you to know that to follow is to fish. Jesus desires to make you fishers of men, not just prayers prayers of prayers and attenders of services. Then there's another group, non-Christians, really need to hear this too. I'm never gonna do it if I become a Christian. If I become a Christian, I'm not gonna do that. And I don't think any of us, when we became Christians, we signed up to be fishers of men. but if you're a, non, you know, a non-Christian, it's something that you probably definitely don't want to do uh, to do that. So tonight we're going to answer those questions on what, why we fish. And it's something about the uniqueness of this message and um, how we do this. We're going to actually talk about a story in the Bible, and it comes from the book of Acts. And last week I, t- I said, you know, there's f- the first four books of the New Testament is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were all disciples of Jesus. And they wrote those four, first four books of the Bible, and it's called the Gospels. That's where it talks about the life of Jesus. This story comes from a book in Acts, which is the fifth book of the, the Bible. And it's actually the Acts of the Disciples. Once Jesus called the twelve disciples together, it's what they did after Jesus... You know, died and was resurrected, and then went back up to heaven. It's what those disciples actually did. So it comes from the book of Acts, and I'm going to jump around a little bit. So the best I can, the the verses are going to be up on the screen. But we're going to start out in Acts four, verse one. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests. And first of all, I should what I should start out to set this all up in chapter three. Um, Peter and John were actually going to go to the temple and pray. And it was like in the afternoon. And when they went to the temple, there was this guy that was lame. You know, he was sitting at the temple gates and he was begging for money. The guy couldn't walk. In fact, it says in the, in the Bible that he couldn't walk since he was born. So ever since birth, he had never walked a step by himself in his life. So he, he was standing there begging for money. And Peter and John came up to him, and it reminds me of a song in Sunday school that I sang. You know, Peter and John went to pray. They met a lamb, lame man on the way. Um, he held out his palms and he gave, and asked for alms. And this is what Peter did say. Okay, I remember that from I remember that from Sunday school. But anyways, so the he was asking for money from um, Peter and John. Now, Peter and John did exactly what Jesus told them to do, is to sell everything, so they didn't have any money. So Peter kind of says, well, I don't have any money to give you, but I do have something to give you. says, in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the lame guy probably said, nah, I haven't been walking since, I, you know, that's not going to do it. So Peter reached on his hand, grabbed his arm, pulled him up to his feet, and the guy walked. Okay, it was a, a miracle that you know that uh, Peter performed on this lame guy that walked. Well, the guy was so excited he started jumping up and down and leaping and everything else. So when Peter and John walked into the temple area, the guy went with them. You know, he was jumping up and down. So you can imagine all the people that were in the temple because this was the appointed time that they were supposed to pray. So everybody in town was at the temple praying. They saw this guy that, for years and years and years, they've always seen sitting on the ground, and he's up walking around, dancing and everything else. Well, they were astonished. They were astonished. So Peter kind of took the opportunity, you know, when he saw the crowd gather, and what did he do? He did a sermon. You know, he started talking about Jesus. Okay, so we pick up the story in chapter 4, Verse one. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees confronted them. They were incensed that the apostles were teaching the people and announcing that the resurrection of the dead was happening because of Jesus. They seized Peter and John and put them in prison until the next day. It was already evening. Uh, many who had heard heard the word became believers and their numbers grew to 5,000, 5, okay, and I'm gonna stop right there because what had happened was all the, all the leaders in the temple, the Sadducees, um, the, the chief priests and everything, saw what Peter and John were doing and they were incensed because they wanted all these people to come and see them. They didn't want them to see these other people and especially talking about this guy named Jesus because that was, that was kind of, you know, you know, it was stepping on their turf, in other words. So um, what happens is, um, so they arrest them because they were talking about this dead guy, and it became late, so they had to wait until the next day to deal with them. Well, during that time, I'm sure they kind of got together and said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with these guys? You know, there's 5,000 people out there And we can't just crucify him because these 5,000 people, you know, they'll riot and everything else. So, you know, when I talk about there's a mob scene, there's a mob out there that want to know why we arrested Peter and John because they saw this lame guy out there that was walking. I mean, he was lame, you know, earlier that day and he could walk. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump to verse 18. And then hopefully tonight... We'll find out you know, once I get done why I'm jumping around. But in ver- verse 18, when they called Peter and John back, this is after they had a chance to think about it, so they called him back. They demanded that they stop all the speaking and teaching in the name of Jesus. They told him to quit doing it. Don't, don't preach anymore. And Peter and John responded, It's up to you to determine whether it's right before God to obey you rather than God. Okay, Peter said, you can believe what you want to believe. You can believe what God tells you, you know, what you should do. But we're going to do, and that's what it goes on to say next, as for us, we can't stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Okay, you can talk about what you feel God is telling you to do, but we've got to do what God's telling us to do. And it's from something that we've seen and something that we've heard. When they called Peter and John back, they demand, uh Peter and John responded, it's up to you to determine whether it's right before God to obey you rather than God. As for us, we can't stop speaking about it uh, for what they have seen and heard. They threaten them further and then they released them because of public support for Peter and John, they couldn't find a way to punish them. Everyone, was praising God for what had, had happened, because the man who had experienced this sign of healing was over forty years old and i don 't know why they put that on there, probably because he was a man that had been there for a while, so people had had forty years to know that this guy couldn 't walk, so he know, they knew that you know over those forty years period of time, if he actually could walk and he was just there kind of running a scam or anything. They could have probably seen him walk at some point, but he couldn't walk. But now he can. So there was a miracle that was performed. Um, Now, in verse 20, you know, Peter and John, and this is a key point, and I should have brought it up when I read it, though, is in verse 20, you know, Peter and John could have said, you know, we can't help speaking about them because what we believe. Because you gotta remember the people in the temple, the chief priests, and everybody that was preaching in the temple, because they believed in God, but they weren't talking about this Jesus guy. Everything that they, they were telling the people is they wanted them to believe something. They wanted to, to believe this, this story and all the stories of the Old Testament that over a period of time, thousands of years, they wanted those people to believe a certain story. Well, it's very important that Peter and John said, but we've got to talk about what we have seen and what we've heard. They were eyewitnesses. They were there. They saw what happened. And that's in a very important part why we fish. It's, a, it's about something that we... It's not something necessarily that we believe. Of course, we do believe it, but it's not necessarily we have to talk and we have to fish because it's something that that we believe. It's something that we've seen and heard. And we'll talk about that in a little bit.
1: But,
0: mm-hmm. well, well, what Todd's talking about, and it's actually true, and I talked a little bit about that last week, is when we fish, we just don't cast out their, our line to fish. We also have to know where to look for them, too. So that's part of fishing too, is you need to know what time, you know, where you need to look for the people and stuff. And you, and people are there all around you. You have opportunities all the time to fish, but you gotta be looking for them. You know, last week I talked about uh, the geocache. You know, when we geocache and everything, you get coordinates and you go to a spot, and then what do you do? Is it right there? No, you gotta kinda look for it. Or there's a meteor shower, and you know what time it's out there, well, you're gonna miss it unless you're actually looking for it. just for
1: something.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. God great Excellent. I'll applaud that. Nice. But as a Christian we get nervous because we are worried about someone asking a question we can't answer. Sometimes you know I don't want to talk to somebody about my faith because I'm afraid that they're going to ask me a question that I'm not going to answer. We talked about this Wednesday night at our we have a Wednesday night uh go fish study group that by the way anyone's invited to it's on Wednesday night 5:30 here. But we talked about that too is a lot of times you know what if they ask us a question we can't answer? What if they ask us the difference between Buddhism and Hinduism? And what if we get into all those areas that I don't know anything about? Well, this story tells us it's what we've seen and what we've heard. It's not what we know. It's not what we've you know been taught. But it's something that we've seen and what we've been heard. Sharing about Christ and being fishers of men isn't about having such... So much knowledge that you can refute the spe- skeptics. It's not that at all. Christians believe that something happened. Christians believe that something happened in history that was so big it became the centerpiece of all human history. Peter and John are saying We're, we've got to talk about it. We saw it with our own eyes, we heard it with our own ears. You know, what did Peter and John see and hear that was so huge that would cause them to risk their lives for it? What did they see and hear that was so unbelievable, unbelievably different um, that what they did or what they had been raised with, they are willing to jettison um, much of what they had been taught as children in the synagogue in order to follow this new teaching and belief system. And that's what we're talking about is a new belief system. It's not something that you're taught and you're supposed to you know, that you were told to believe in. It's something that you've seen with your own eyes, something that you've seen and heard. Um, What was so huge that uh, would allow them to say, even if you put me in prison, and later on, even if you take my life, it's not about what I believe, it's about what I have saw and what I've heard. Now, we're going to go back to... The fifth verse, and this is kind of interesting because it'll kind of set it up on who actually was there in the fifth. The next day, the leaders and elders and the legal experts gathered in Jerusalem along with Annas. Now, Annas was the chief priest, okay? He was like the guy in the temple, okay? The temple, if Anybody has done a study about how the uh, Jewish temple was set up, a Jewish temple was like this large building, and it had like a temple court. It had a big courtyard. And most anybody that went to the temple, that's where they could go is in that temple courtyard. Okay? And then they had this other building in there. That, that was the Holy of Holies. Okay? The Holy of Holies, only one person could go in the Holy of Holies. Okay? The Holy of Holies is where they kept the Ark of the Covenant. Now, everybody knows the Ark of the Covenant. You know, it held the, the pieces of the 10 Commandments that God actually wrote on t- stone tablets, and then they crushed into pieces. Well, that was put in the Ark of the Covenant. Or if anybody's watched the movie, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, the 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 Ark of the Covenant is the one where the Nazis put on the top of the hill and the one guy touched the Ark of the Covenant and his face melted and his eyes popped out. Okay, Annas, Annas was the only guy that could touch the Ark of the Covenant and his eyes wouldn't pop out, okay? So this is who Annas was, okay? Annas was high priest Caiaphas. Now, Caiaphas was the high priest before Annas. So he was like the granddaddy of high priests. Okay, he was there. It says John was there. Now, the, there's a lot of Johns I've been talking about. This isn't the John and the Peter John, but this is John. And in order to be put in here, John was there, so it must have been... He must have been pretty important. And Alexander, another important guy, um, were there, and others from the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them. By what power or in what name did you do this? Because they came in, remember, and the guy that was lame was sitting there leaping and jumping and everything else from him. So they wanted to know in whose name they wanted to do. Now, they were all Jewish people, and they all believed in God. Okay, They all knew the Old Testament. They all know, knew what God had done through the New Testament. Remember, the New Testament hadn't been written yet. None of the books of the Bible had been written, or a New Testament had been written yet. But they were all Jewish, so they were well-schooled in all the scriptures of the Old Testament. So, by what power and what name are, have you done this? Then Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, answered, leaders of the people and the elders, are we being examined today because something good was done to a sick person and good deeds that healed him? If so, then you and all the people of Israel need to know that this man stands healthy before you because in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Whoa. The chief priests were expecting to say, you know god it was something that we taught you it's something that you should have known that's who healed them but they they were talking about this jesus guy and that kind of made them upset okay I,
1: I feel like
0: Todd, you know, and this is, this kind of takes me a little ahead of the story, but Todd is an example of something that we've seen and we've heard. You know, it's not something that we've been told. It's not something that we know. We've seen and heard that. You know, several of us have seen and heard that with Todd. So, you know, that's that's the message. That's the confidence that we need to know when we go out and fish for Fish for other people, or fish for men. I'm going to go on with a story because this next part is really critical. Remember, you know, I told you everybody's Jewish, everybody knows all the Old Testament and everything. So Peter, having the confidence of the Holy Spirit, okay, and that's what we talked about Wednesday. Is you know, we were talking about praying for boldness that comes from this part of the Bible, one of the places in the Bible about how we're supposed to pray for boldness when we go and talk to other people about our faith. Um, But this part, what they do is Peter all of a sudden has confidence, so he's beginning to speak with because he's talking to some pretty powerful people. After all, these people are the ones that Jesus, after Pontius Pilate said, you know, I can... We're going to let Jesus go. It was the chief priests that, remember, basically brought him up and then the, incited all the people to you know, basically arrest Jesus and crucify him. So to sit there and talk about Jesus being the person that healed this guy or in the name of Jesus, Peter, it was pretty intimidating for Jesus or Peter to be there because he saw what they were capable of doing. So basically, he asked for help. And I think the Holy Spirit helped him do this. But what he did is he went back to a scripture in the book of Psalms. And it goes back to Psalms 118. And in 118, he talks about this. And this is where I think it's really, to me, it was kind of when I, when I was kind of putting this all together, I started thinking about, okay, this is Peter. Peter. I got to remember that story in the New Testament when Jesus was gathering the disciples and, you know, Jesus was trying to um, sit there and find out what was the word on the street. You know, how were people talking about him? You know, how much information do the people out in the community know about me already? You know, and some of the disciples says, well, some think you're a prophet, you know, and some people think you're, you know, Moses or somebody, you know, thinks you're somebody else and peter peter got up and this is where you know peter gets in a lot of trouble because sometimes he sticks his foot in his mouth but peter stood up and says you are the son of the living god and what did jesus say ding 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 you just answer the 6 million dollar question it says and on that very statement on that rock i'm going to make you know i'm going to build my church that you know, Satan's not even going to bring down. Peter actually literally means rock. So when he, when Peter starts talking about this, listen to what it says. In the book of Psalms, it talks about you know it's kind of a prophecy of something that's going to come up. In twenty-two, uh, Psalms one eighteen twenty-two, the stone rejected by the builders. Remember. A builder would sit there and pick up stones and what he would sit there and look at the stone, if it was a stone that he didn't like, he would reject it or cast it aside. The stone rejected by the builders is now the main foundation stone. This has happened because the Lord is is astounding in our sight. So what he did, what Peter said is, remember when it said back in, um, in Psalms about, the stone that you rejected, okay. And if we read in verse eight in in Acts um, or eleven, I'm sorry. Uh, let me find it. This Jesus is a stone you builders rejected. He has become the cornerstone. So there, what he's sitting there, he's referring something in the Old Testament that everybody in the room knew what he was talking about. And that's what he said. He's, he said, this Jesus is a stone you builders rejected. He has become the cornerstone. Then get this, in verse 12. Salvation can be found in no one else. Throughout the whole world, no other name has been given has been given among humans through which um, we must be saved. He said, you know, what he was saying was, you guys rejected it. You guys knew the prophecy. You knew that there was a coming Messiah. Everybody in the room knew there was a Messiah coming. It's just they weren't fully convinced that it was the Jesus guy. The disciples were because of something that they saw and heard. I mean, Peter and John went into the empty tomb. They saw Jesus being crucified. They saw him dead. They saw him being put in the the tomb. And then they went into the empty tomb and he was gone. And then later on, Jesus reappeared to about 500 people. So they saw. It was something that they saw and heard. Our story is to repeat that, that is our history, history that's been passed down. I'm sure Peter and John, they went and told all their friends and all their friends told their friends and their friends told their friends and then 2000 years later, we're here talking about it. It's a story we have to pass on about something that happened. You know, when I talked about Todd, you know, Todd, you know and and sometime you know, I'd love for Todd to tell his whole story, but Todd is a miracle. Todd is something that we have seen and heard with our own eyes and when you when you speak with confidence with someone else, you know it that's why it's not so important to have every answer. you know somebody's going to ask you a question, well, where does it say that in the Bible? I don't know you know i'm not totally confident that i could find a lot of stuff in the bible i just know it's there you know and i know once i place my you know place my belief and place my life on what this says it's you know that's that just gives me a certain sense of relief that you know um that i can do that um i kind of jumped ahead we are convinced by what we've seen and we've been heard. We can't help but stop talking about it. We can't but fish. We have to fish because the message of salvation is not an intuitive message. You know, the message of salvation is some, not something that we're taught, it's not something that, you know, somebody tells us and then oh, we believe it. It's not an intuitive message. The message of salvation is grounded in history, not experience. The message of forgiveness is not a message that you can go and sit under a tree and come up with it all by yourself. You can't logically sit there and figure out salvation. It just doesn't happen. You'll never know it or figure it out unless somebody tells you. Left to your own devices, you'll never arrive to the conclusion that every other religion has arrived at. There is a God. He's a good God, and somehow good people connected with a good God. So I better be good. Okay, that's what it was like before Jesus came around. Is I had to be a better prayer, prayer, prayer. I had to be a better person. I had to give more. I had to, you know, jump through all these hoops in order to go to heaven. Okay, but once Jesus came, it was kind of he wrote a whole new script. And how we get to heaven? Okay. That is. I
1: mean, I was given the second chance, and now it's the third chance. It's to tell the fishers of men that we're. We got another chance, and, I mean, I'm not going to say, hey, look at me. I mean, it's just, hey, look at me. I, mean, <laughs> I, I got another chance. Uh, we're, we're, we all can can do it, and even <laughs> to the most gracious. Love you, buddy. Because I think the Bible is a story to tell people, hey, fishers of men. Look at, look at these. Look at, I mean, my own son, who I gave to you guys, and you're to look at him and understand that there is another chance. And I'm just so happy. You're, you're, you're doing everything. Oh, thank you. I've done (laughs) Sorry, my magnet does (laughs) not
0: Where was I? (laughs) What Todd is saying, that's the good news. That's the good news. We're not given one chance, we're not given two chances, we're not given three chances. As long as we have our belief in Jesus Christ, I mean, we're gonna screw up, we're not gonna do it all right. You know, because good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. (laughs) Forgiven people go to heaven. And that's the good news. And there is no other name by which you have received forgiveness other than the unique, unique name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But as long as you're asking, right. It's not an intuitive message. You would never arrive at on it on your own. It's history. Therefore, it must be told. We fish because our faith is grounded in history. And you don't know history unless someone tells you about it. So we talk about it and we have to fish. No, not because people can't find God without us, but they will never know the message of salvation unless someone tells them. You know, if it's, you know, if, if it's your first time here, or if you're just kind of new in this whole belief system and you know, believing in Jesus and everything, I encourage you, you know, keep at it. You know, you're you're amongst fellow people that are just trying to figure it out on our own too. Um, sorry, that that tells me why we're almost done. Um, but if you've been here a while and you've been a, and you consider yourself a Christian, it's not about what you can do or about what you know or about showing up to church eight weeks in a row. It's all about faith and trust, about putting your weight on what Christ has done on your behalf. We Christians have to keep fishing because this is not about I believe versus you believe. This is about something that happened in history that we want people to know about, amen? I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna ask the band to come up, actually, while I pray. Um, uh, During this first song, it'll be our uh, chance for us to receive our um, tithes and offerings. Um, and uh, I'll pray, and then uh, we'll move into the last part of our service. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us a message like this. Thank you for challenging us in in a way that um, we have to understand that uh, to follow you isn't just to uh, come to church every week uh, and to do a good deed and, things like that, but to, to follow you means to fish, that we have to continue the story on. Because if we don't, if we keep it all to ourselves, if we keep it keep this message to us, we're, you know, like many have said, we're a generation away from not having a church. Um, we, we thank you for what you did, that you sent your son Jesus Christ into this world to kind of show us this way that it's not all about performance it's not all about jumping, seeing how many hoops you can jump through but it's about understanding that there's there's a love and a forgiveness out there that uh, for some of us we don't quite understand that you know uh, um, that you know you might say you might we might say to ourselves look at me look at the stuff that I've done you know I'm not worthy I'm not there uh, your son, Jesus Christ, as long as you put your trust and belief in him, uh, you can have that salvation. Uh, be with us this week as we uh, look for those opportunities, we look for those geocaches, or, uh, meteor showers, uh, uh, people that we can uh, give the good news to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.